It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Time with Fred podcast. This is a podcast that challenges the mindsets and paradigms that hold us back. Today, I have the singular honor uh, to be interviewing uh, a special guest tonight in the person of Ali Amor. Did I say that right, Ali? It's okay, Orly Amor. Orly, Orly. You got to make sure I have have it right. It's an accent thing. (laughs) Uh, Orly uh, is is an inspirational speaker. You're a coach. You're an author. You're a business owner. You're an entrepreneur. um, And you've been doing this for, for quite some time, right? Orly, when I first heard you speak, your, your story was one that really touched uh, me so much. And it fits so well into this podcast because you're, you've written a book uh, about mindsets. And tonight we're going to be talking about some of those mindsets and, and the dangers in allowing some of these mindsets to hold us back, right? So uh, just a little bit, I, just an excerpt that I found you. This was some, an article that, well, this was really about, about you. But in 2006, earlier you were asked to speak at a women's shelter on your life experiences and originally declined the invitation. And after being invited several times, you finally relented and agreed to speak. And it was there early that you met a woman who wanted to end her life. And after hearing you speak, the woman decided to live and ask you to support her. Oli, can you take us back into, first of all, just tell our audiences, I know I didn't you know, go through the full bio, but tell us a little bit about yourself, what you really do, and then we'll get into this story. Because I'm really curious to see exactly what happened this day when you spoke and what you did, the impact. It was a very special day and it was really interesting. Um, I am a, an entrepreneur, a multipreneur. I'm, you know, one of those people who are addicted to starting projects and businesses. Uh, but I am a international public speaker and author, a best-selling author, and I also own a publishing house. And so, like I said, multiple printer. <laughs> I am also a business coach for public speakers, a business coach for entrepreneurs. And, um, and that's basically really, and a coach for mindset mastery. And I certify coaches in that as well. So that's really the nutshell of what I do for a living. And my passion is to basically in a mission way is that to, I want to impact the lives of 200 million people around the planet mm. by 2025. That's an audacious goal, by the way. But I we are at 103 million now. That's awesome. Yeah, we that's passed awesome. the half mile, so that's a good thing. Here, here's um, the interesting part, Oli, where oftentimes when we hear people like you, I mean, the, the flamboyance, the accolades, and the wonderful things that you're doing in the world to change lives, right? What we often miss is that behind all of that, there's, there is a story, right? There's mm-hmm. always a scar. There are scars. There, there are story. stories, powerful stories behind Yes. So much you're interested and applaud you for all this great stuff. You, you had stories, right? You also had to start somewhere. There were challenges that you had to overcome. And one of those was the story that led uh, to you impacting this woman's life at this uh, speaking event. Can you take us So back? if you'd like, I'd love to take you back to Please. exactly how all this happened. Please do. It was very interesting. Um, I was in property management. I was speaking all over the country, all over Canada uh, about property management. But I really never wanted to tell my personal story. And so one day my girlfriend calls me and she says, uh, I want you to come and speak at this woman's shelter. And I'm like, uh, what do you want me to speak about? She's like, well, I want you to come and tell your story. Like only two of my girlfriends really knew my story. And I will share my story in a minute. But, but it was really only a couple of people that knew what I've been through. Because it's not something you share with every Tom, Dick, and Harry. And in, in corporate, you really don't share that. You're kind of guarded, you know? And so I, I just said, no, are you crazy? I'm not going to do that. I don't want to tell my story. What are you, nuts? So she was one of those annoying friends, you know? She just called mm-hmm. every single day for three weeks. Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? And I was really getting upset with her. After three weeks, I was like, you know, Liz, you're going to have to tell me why you want me. There's other people that speak about this stuff. And she said, well, you know, you have this bubbly personality. Every time we go somewhere, everybody hugs you and loves on you. And they don't even know you. They hug you. You know, you're like a social butterfly. 
And, uh, and, um, and I said, well, the answer is still no. What do I have to do to get you off my phone? Because I'm about not to answer your calls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was, I'm, I'm adamant. And uh, she said, it's for you to say, yes, you need to come and give these women hope. Come and tell your story. So I relented and said, yes, finally. And then finally, okay, so now it's three months later, I'm speaking at this woman's shelter. And a few things happened that has never happened to me before. And this is where this comes to play. One thing that happened is that after I was done speaking, and there was about 170 people in the room. After I was done speaking, there was not one dry eye in the place. Mm. Once I got off the stage, women were coming to me and crying on my shoulder, thanking me. Thank you for giving me hope. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being here. All this stuff that I've never experienced before. Fred, it was like, there was no way I would have even imagined what that even felt like because it's not something that I was used to. Right. And then this lady comes up to me and she's crying profusely. She's hyperventilating. We can't even calm her down. She says, oh, she's, she's crying. And I'm like, you have to calm down. She's like, no, you don't understand. And I said, no, I do understand, sweetheart. You got to breathe, please breathe. And she's like, no, you don't understand. And I said, no, I do understand, sweetheart. You got to calm down. And then back and forth and back and forth we went. And so she pulls up a piece of paper out of her pocket and she shows it to me. And she says, look, you see here, this is how I was going to kill myself this morning. Mm, Wow. She's like, but, and in fact, I don't even remember driving from my house to the shelter. Because you see here, that's not where I was going. But I heard you speak and I want to live. I just need you to show me how. Wow. I was crying. Everybody around us was crying. I couldn't hold it anymore. You know, as strong as you want to feel for these people, I didn't know how to handle this. And to tell you my story in a very short, you know, 18 seconds is, you know, I was a beaten up child. I was molested four times before the age of 14. I was raped three times before the age of 22, twice gang raped, nine Mm. months apart, left for dead. Mm. Three days each time in an alley in the cold winter. I mean, in Canada, it's pretty cold most of the year. And I was married to a very abusive husband, both mentally and physically. And so as a result of all that, I had four abortions and I gained a morbid amount of weight. I was 428 pounds at my heaviest. And despite all that, I worked on myself. I read books. I went to heal myself. I, I, I didn't want to be the victim anymore. I, I didn't want to carry that victim bag, as they call it, you know, and that bon, ball and chain that many people carry around with them. And it's heavy and it's, it's, it's on their heart, you know, and, but it feels heavy. It feels like you're carrying a lot of weight yes. and, uh, and they cover it with either food or drugs or alcohol or whatever. That's what it is to ease the pain. You know, I don't know how many times I wished I was dead, but I didn't, try commit suicide i didn't try either you know so i don't know what that feels like and uh but i know that people go through this dilemmas you know and i still put myself through school i got an mba and a law degree and i I became a, a a an avid learner but if you ask me then if i thought i was gonna do this today no, I don't think I, 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 would have, I would have been able to answer you then. Early there, there, then thanks for that powerful story and background, but there are two forces at play, right? We all go through life. There are the groups of people who are able to go through what you went through. I'm not sure how many, I can't even imagine how many people can be able to go through your experience and still decide to make something good out of their lives. There are the other groups of people who also go through life who just remains stuck, right? I mean, after all that you went through, I mean, just such a tragic incident. There, I'm done. There's really, life is not fair. I am done. And they give up on What was it early that made you decide not to say stuck where you are? What was it that made you decide to pick yourself up, go to school, get an MBA, get a law degree, make something significant out of your life and now impacting millions of lives? What What, what is it that, kind of makes us go either way. Can you tell, what was your motivation there? 
Well, I, I really was a, a workaholic, so I didn't really think about it much. Uh, I didn't finish school right away. I mean, I went to college and I got my BA in, um, in political science and I, I, I just didn't really want to go to school as much. I just wanted to work, make money. I became a workaholic in the property management world. You know, I was in property management for 25 years altogether. So it was, it was a career that allowed me to work numerous amount of hours, being away from the public. Uh, you know, just at the office and between buildings. And that's really where I was busy, 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 and not enough time to think about Orly, not enough time to think about, you know, her needs, her, the, the, the self-love, the self-care, all that was just suppressed, 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 suppressed. I didn't go into alcohol. I didn't go into drugs, but I went into food and I went into workaholic. Mm -hmm. So that's another just, you know, an addiction is an addiction. Mm -hmm. you, yeah. It doesn't matter what form it takes. Yeah. It's an addiction. And when you stop one, you start another. It's yeah. just a done. I don't, let's hope it's a more productive and a more yeah. positive addiction, but yeah. it's still an addiction. Um, and my pivotal point, I think, was uh, that I do not want... And I think it, it's, it really comes to the speech I gave at that women's shelter. Mm. The question that I had in the, for the audience from the beginning, I had three questions for the audience. I'm like, how many of you have been raped or, or abused in any shape or, or form? Raise your hand. Keep your hands up if you think about it twice a week. Keep your hands up if you think about it five times a week. Think your hands up, you know, keep your hands up if you're thinking about it 20 times a week, right? And, and almost everybody kept their hands up the whole time. Wow. And if you're thinking about it, basically that's what I said to them. That means you're allowing your assaulter to continue doing this to you two, five, 10 times, 20 times a week. So That's you're horrible. reliving the moment continuously, just like a movie. And the moment you stop giving that assaulter the power to do that to you, because it's not really happening anymore. You're here, you're safe, you're with me. The moment you realize that you are safe in where you are physically, then you can get out of it mentally. I can show you how, but you got to decide that for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, but that was my mental sh pivotal point, if mm. you will. My mental pivotal point is like, wait a minute, it's not really happening right mm. now. Why am I thinking about it? Why am I putting all that garbage in my head right mm -hmm. now? It's not mm -hmm. happening. Mm -hmm. I'm successful. Mm -hmm. I own a house. I own this. I mm -hmm. own that. Mm -hmm. I started being grateful for the things that I have mm. and that, that I'm, you know, and I started having a mantra. Every day above ground is a good day. I live it until yeah. today. Yeah. You know, I, I've, no matter how much money I ever made, no matter how many, how many possessions I ever had, I've always kept humble. Yeah. You know, and that's what I think that people should do when they've been through a lot. I think they get to that point. Either they come from gratitude or they just believe that there is a God and, 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 and understand that there's somebody up there really taking care of them. Absolutely. Yeah. And you talk about this uh, pivotal moment or this defining moment early. And, and I know there are a lot of people, I mean, I've interviewed quite a number of, there's a lady similar um, who also was raped at a young age, raped as a, as a teenager, raped at age five, raped at age 15, and then also found herself in an abusive relationship. And it, it got to a point where she told herself, what I allow will continue. And so she decided to make that change, to shift from what she what her life has always uh, known, mm -hmm. right, from the normal until she, and she started doing what she really wanted to. And this was difficult because she had lived, this was part of her life. And earlier, there are a lot of people who allow themselves to be defined by the experiences they go through, whether it's really, and I'm not sure what the stats are, but I'm sure there are a ton of people who go through these experiences, but for whatever reason, right, whether due to the stigma attached, aren't able to come up, right, to, to tell their story or to face those consequences. And this is a question that I always ask, um, my special guest, right? But what defines you, Ollie? There's got to be something within you that that you didn't allow to keep you stuck. You didn't play this thing in your head over and over again like some of the audiences were. 
what defines you? Um, there's a few things actually that define me. Hmm. Um, I think that my resiliency comes mm -hmm. from one is that I never wanted to be like my parents. Mm. I didn't want to be stuck in a place where I don't have money or that I don't have freedom. That is like a big deal for me. Mm -hmm. Freedom was a big deal. You know, freedom of my own mind, you know, is, is, is the same thing as freedom physically, as freedom. I didn't want to be imprisoned in any, any type of way. Mm -hmm. So I ran away from home when I was 14. I mean, it was just one of those things that you, you just are, you're going to, you're going to come out of this from hell or high water. You fend for yourself, you know? Um, what defines me most is that I won't allow injustice. Mm. Anything that's unfair. And until today, anything that's unfair, I literally lose it. Mm. I am not a very, I don't even realize it, but I, I become a different person mm -hmm. because I don't allow unfairness, whether it's to me or other people, mm -hmm. the outrage that's out there, everything that's happening anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. I don't like something that's unfair. Mm -hmm. If I didn't do anything to hurt you, why would you hurt me? Mm -hmm. You know, and I believe that we are all adult and vaccinated. I joke around with that a little bit, but we are adult and vaccinated. Why can't we communicate? Right. Why can't we just talk it through? Why do we need to use any kind of violence or, or, or anger or, or bad words? Mm -hmm. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I never liked that. So that angers me to that point. And that's what defines me. I don't like injustices. Mm -hmm. A lot of injustices were done to me. Mm -hmm by people I actually trusted. And usually that's what happened. And today, you know what, Fred? They call it mental illness. Mm. It's not from today that it's mental illness. It's been around. Why are they now just branding it or you call it stigma? It's another one. Mm. But it doesn't, it, it's actually, it falls under mental illness, but it really isn't mental illness. It's just something that they just didn't know how to call it. So they put it under there. You know? Yeah. So that's injustice yeah. to me. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And, and Orly, I'd imagine that you had to challenge some of those mindsets, right? You had a, and you have a book uh, called uh, Mindset Mastery, where you talk about the 12 powers uh, that we hold within the ultimate paradigm shift. And we're going to be, I'll ask you to share some of your thoughts because you, you have a few things there that I'm, I'm particularly um, uh, uh, a big fan of, really. And that's really what this whole podcast is about. But Okay. Challenging some of those mindsets, right? We self-fulfilling, we believe that because someone says something to us or because our mind, whether it's something someone is saying or whether it's what we are saying to ourselves based on our own subconscious mind, we buy into these things and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. There's a story that I'm, you're probably familiar uh, with, but uh, the girls were born on Friday the 13th. And we all know Friday the 13th is this hexed. We believe it's, it's a bad omen. The midwife who delivered these babies told the mothers of the babies that they were all going to die prematurely. The first baby was going to die before she turned 16. The second one was going to die before 21. The third was going to die before 23. Lo and behold, the day before the first uh, girl turned 16, she died out of a car accident. The second one who was told she was going to die before 21 actually lived to see that for 21st birthday. She was going into a tavern with a friend to celebrate the end of her hex. Before she walked through those doors, she was struck by a stray bullet and that killed her. The third one who was told she was going to die before 23rd birthday had become so convinced by this time that she, knew, she believed she was going to die. And so the day before she turned 23, she started hyperventilating. They took her to the hospital and she also died. The autopsy report believed that she had a lot of physiological and psychological issues in her body and that it was actually fear that killed her. And I think about this when I read that story, I was like, wow, someone may say it's a, it's a coincidence, right? But they believed so much what this midwife had told them and perhaps their mothers had told them this is what's going to happen. And so they lived life expecting that they were all going to die. And that's exactly what happened to them. What believed uh, early became a self-fulfilling prophecy. And you have a chapter 
in here on your in your book um, about, about self fulfilling prophecy. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that and why that's important? So let's agree about a few things before we talk about self fulfilling prophecies. Mm. The brain, we as we know, has like seventy thousand thoughts a day, but we only control about two to five percent. Mm -hmm. I mean, Einstein control about twelve to fifteen percent, right? But we control about two to five of those 70,000. The rest of it is all subconscious. Mm. But let's agree to a few things. The brain does not know the difference between the truth or a lie. Absolutely. It does not know the difference between wrong or, or, or right. And it does not know the difference between good and bad. In fact, wrong and right, good or bad, do not even exist mm. in the world. And a lot of people will say, well, Orly, until now you got me, but um, how can good or bad and wrong and right not exist? They do exist. I say, well, let's figure this one out. Let me prove it to you. You know, the only time those statements are true is when you say something like this, this is good for me or bad for me, wrong for me or right for me. And how do I prove that is because something good for you may be bad for me, something mm -hmm. wrong for you, maybe right for me, mm -hmm. I mean, or vice versa. It's all subjective, yeah. Right? So if it, that's who's wrong and who's really right, we are both right because this is how we see things. But the brain doesn't know the difference. So it's whatever we say goes. Therefore, whatever we say and however we treat. So if you think your wife doesn't love you, guess what? If you think you're not going to close the deal, guess what? You're not going to. And this was really well presented in the movie, My Fair Lady, where to, the, the Dr. Higgins took a bet that he can take any cockney girl, a street girl, and turn her into a lady. And they picked one and it was played by Audrey Hepburn. It, it's a long, it's a very old movie, but the mere fact that he treated her like a lady turned her into a lady. So if you want to turn yourself into a positive person, you gotta walk the, you gotta walk the talk. How many times do we hear fake it till you make it? Yep. It's not about faking it till you make it is act as if, so that your body and your brain act the same and in, right. and in you know, conjunction with each other so that now they are trained to be coherent with each other and then the belief system kicks in. It's the, the thought that creates the behavior and the feelings. You're, you're so spot on. It reminds me of a, of a scripture that says you need to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. I mean, this is not a, this is not a passive thing. Right? Exactly. This is an active thing. Right. And so it's, it's so sad when, you know, Kesarasar, I don't believe in Kesarasar, whatever it will be, will be right. So we just go wherever, wherever the winds direct us. But how do we, how do we challenge some of these paradigms and constructs, right? How do we, because we're hearing something, all the facts are be, being presented and it's all pointing to one direction, but sometimes we've got to challenge those facts, right? And, and, and speak to the brain and, and reiterate. How do we do that? Oh. You know what's funny? You're talking about scripture. It's, a, it's really amazing because in my affirmations every day, there's a few things that are scriptures. And, you know, whatever thing you ask for when you pray, believe yeah. you that you shall have it and you shall have yeah. them. Yeah, right? Mark, Mark but, 11. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's really funny that, you know, we say these things, but do we realize really what we're saying? Mm. Right. People scripturally also like uh, they, they know it by heart. Right. Mm -hmm. But they don't apply it to their life. That is they true. They go to church every every Sunday and at the end they can recite the Bible completely. And then you talk to them and they're like complaining about something else. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Didn't you just scripturally mm -hmm. recite mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. to me that is completely contradictive? And so we got to be careful because the mind does not know the difference. If we act in a certain way and we say something else, the mind is confused and a confused mind does not reach any heights, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. how do we challenge it? By being in integrity with ourselves. Yeah. I always tell my clients, you can lie to everyone else. You can't lie to yourself. Yeah. Deep down inside, you know the truth. If you lied, you know about it. Yeah. 
If you said the truth, you know about it. Yeah. If somebody calls you a liar and you said the truth, don't worry about it. Yeah. Be you. Do you. I always say that. Do you. I have friends who don't like it when I say it. But do you. Yeah. Be you. And, I, and a lot of people want to be something else than themselves because it's a way to escape who they are. Yeah. And here is my thought for that. Does a flower need to say that she's pretty? No. She just is. God created each and every one of us. And whatever you believe in, God, universe, Allah, Buddha, anything you want. The creator, the ultimate creation. It doesn't matter. We were created, period. Yeah, he made all things. We were created to be happy. We were created to be abundant. We were created to have everything we need in life. And if we are still here, that means our job is not done. Our purpose is not done. And that's why we need to challenge everything because there's something to be learned. That's right. That's so right. the challenges we face are a learning lesson. Let's look at the lesson yeah. instead of looking at the, oh, woe is me. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. What can I learn from this? Absolutely. God, why me? No. What do you want to teach me? I want to know what the lesson is. Tell me. I want to see it. Show me the lesson. That's what I want to hear from God. You know, instead of saying, God, why did you do this to me? No, tell me what the lesson is. I want to learn so I don't do it again. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. That's real. Yeah. That's being real. Yeah. You yeah. know? And, and, and you're absolutely right. Even considering this COVID-19 crisis, right? Of course, we're always seeing, you know, are the death tolls and, and, and all the casualties and all that with the unemployment. And so automatically, it's all negative. But in spite of all this, there's, there's some great and wonderful things that are happening. I mean, we're not minimizing the lives that have been lost. We can never bring of those course. back, right? But it's all about the perspective. And you touch, you touch on it. Why, why not me? What can, in spite of what's going on, we can't change it. But what can we do in this time? How can we make the best out of this moment? You, you know, know what you, this, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, you, you go ahead. You know what this reminds me of, this COVID thing? Noah's Ark. Mm. Now, I don't know, right, wrong, true, not true. At this point, who, I don't even want to go there. Yeah. But my point was, okay, so God inflicted this on the planet mm-hmm. as Noah's Ark did as well. He flooded the earth with this water that mm-hmm. killed probably who knows how many people. But then there were sprouts and then there were animals that you know got out there yeah. and multiplied. And then we got this population. And then we had other pandemics that came and gone and came and gone and other things have gone through. We've been through so many. Yeah. You know, Ebola and 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 there were so many things. So my point here is like, you know, you can look at all this as bad. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, I'm looking at it as, you know what? Every day before COVID, forget COVID right now. Before COVID, every day something bad happens on this planet. Yeah. Every day something bad happens in our neighborhoods. Every day something bad happens to somebody. Every day somebody dies. Every day somebody loses somebody. Every day there's an accident. Every three seconds there's a car accident yeah. that somebody dies in. And every three seconds there's also a birth. Yeah, there's right. also a birthday. There's also a wedding. There's also... So is which one are we looking yeah, at? Yeah, exactly. It's all perspective, right? right? It's all perspective. So. I can't listen to the news. I do not listen to the news. Why is that? Because the only thing you can control, and that's what I'm coming to your point, actually. The only thing you can control is you. The only thing you can control is your own mind. I don't know how many innocent people have been to prison and when they came out, you asked them, how are you so positive? How did you not kill yourself knowing that you were innocent? How did you not, like, you know, I know somebody, I have a friend of mine, he went 20 years to prison and he was seriously innocent. He was finally completely, you know, he knew he was innocent. And I said, you know what, Eddie, how did you survive this? I don't know how I would have been through this. He's like, I studied every day. I got a degree in this and in that and the other, and I read books. And But he, or, early in my mind, I was never in prison. I was on a beach. I was on this. Yeah. I mean, like he just got himself through yeah. Yeah. for 20 years. Wow. So I'm, so when I was at that shelter, same thing. How much are you thinking about this stuff? That's right. What about changing that thought into something else? Yeah. 
Change it even into a dream. Where you would like to see yourself right now? Would you like to see yourself, I don't know, on a nice, under a nice palm tree somewhere? Yes, I'd love a nice palm tree right you know, now by the beach. And me too, like a nice palm tree, <laughs> maybe drinking a nice drink of your choice, whatever yeah. you like, you know, maybe even a nice lemonade and, uh, and eating, a, 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 I don't know, a, one of those watermelons. I love yeah. good watermelons. Yeah. I just like the juicy ones, you know, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Why would I not think about that instead of thinking about what's going on out there right now? Yeah. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, right? right. But another, another thing that I think ties in uh, early very perfectly uh, with challenging uh, these mindsets is the power of self-talk, right? Which is another uh, chapter in your book. Why yeah. is it important that we pay attention to the things we say to ourselves? And I've heard this, you know, you talk to people, oh, I'm stupid, oh, I'm dumb. And like, I know. Why is that important? Because the mind does not know the difference of, a, of the truth or a lie. So if you're saying, oh, I'm so stupid, guess what the mind heard? Oh, okay, you're stupid. That's called a statement. So what is really a statement in the English language, let's say, right? A statement is basically something we say that has a period after it, right? It's a statement. So something like, I can't, right? What if we changed it? And by the way, our mind is like a computer. And the scary part is that it's a computer that has programs in it that has been put by people we don't know and don't care about anymore. There's programs in there that have been put by other people. That's scary. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So now we can't even change them because we don't know where they are in our, in our operating system. So since we can't change them, we can't delete them, we can't see them, how are we operating? Our operating system is running on automatic. So that's a problem on its own, right? Mm -hmm. Well, how can we change it is by using better words. Yeah. If we say, I can't, what about if we change it to, how can I? Let's change it to a question. Because then our minds, which is a computer, will go to Google and look for the answer, yeah. right? Yeah. And this is because we're in a Google world. In the old days, the mind will just go and look for the answer on how can I change things? How can I make more money? How can I get out of this situation? How can I get a new job? How can I be happy here? Even if you're happy, how can I be happy here? Yeah. Yeah. How can I do things that make me even more happy? Because why not, right? Yeah. Using like, you know, um, Yoda in Star Wars, you know, says, you know, I'll try. When we say try or trying, well, let me ask you this. Did you get dressed today or do you, are you wearing a shirt today? You're not naked. You're wearing a shirt, yeah. right? Perfect. Did you try to wake up or are you awake? Well, you didn't try to wake up. You're awake, right? And, and trying is one of those things that the brain just doesn't understand. It's too... And another thing that we say that overwhelms our brain is saying something like a lot, mm. too much, right? Well, what does that mean? Can you explain a lot or too much? No, because it doesn't mean anything, right? And I explain it to my clients in the sense of, I have a lot to do today, right? Fred, we have so much to do. Okay. I have too much to do, a lot to do, right? But what if I said to my brain, oh, I have 50 things to do. And maybe that's a lot to me, 50 is a lot, right? And maybe you'll say, oh, early 50, are you kidding? I have a hundred things to do, right? But Neither one of us is wrong or right. You have a hundred, I have 50, and we'll just do them. And the brain says, oh, okay, we have 50, let's get 50 done. You have a hundred, okay, let's do a hundred. Yeah. So it's better to quantify things than to give it such a number that doesn't exist. Yeah. A lot is so overwhelming. Yeah. What happens to a computer when it's overwhelmed, when it's overloaded, what happens to it? It shuts down. Yeah. It shuts yeah. down and that's how we're operating. We're operating on shutdown. It's horrible. That's why we can't get out of our own way hmm. because we don't see the way out. We are operating on shutdown. The willingness, the willingness to learn. That's the two questions I ask. Most people answer big numbers. So the first question is, what is your willingness to learn on a scale of one to 10? Give me a number. You asking me? Yeah. yeah. Nine. Nine. Okay. Willingness to learn. Okay. Usually it's an eight, nine, or 10. Okay. Everyone close answers close enough. Eight, nine, or 10. Perfect. 
on a scale of one to 10, what is your willingness to accept change? And it cannot be a five. So it, the thing is that you would have to give up something. And people really think about this and some of them say, oh, I'm a nine too, you know, mm. really? So that means you're almost 100% satisfied with your life. And they say, oh no, not really. I mean, I, I, I don't have everything I want. Okay, so on a percentage rate, how, how satisfied are you with your life? And most people say, well, I don't know, maybe 72, mm. right? And at that point, okay, so your willingness to learn is nine, maybe but your your willingness to accept change is lower and therefore you're still there's room for improvement yeah. you know some people they're willing their 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 satisfaction with life is less than 50 hmm. and that's why they are stuck where they are so willingness to learn is good to have but the willingness to accept change needs to to get out there like it has to get up there they have to be willing to sacrifice tony robbins really says it best he says i want to be a millionaire but i want to wake up at noon that doesn't work doesn't work yeah you got to pay the price right you got to put in the work well how badly do you want it yeah yeah right? so that's 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 really powerful here i mean you, you, the the self-talk thing and then you also have the power of why the power of why. Can you talk to us uh, early a little bit about the power of why? And to describe the power of why, I'm going to tell you another story. I mean, those stories are just amazing, right? It's the, the power, power of storytelling, right? That's what makes it. It's that's the what power of storytelling because stories really, you know, they say stories tell, uh, stories sell, facts tell. Uh, yeah, stories sell, facts tell. So let me, let me give you a, a really cool story that I share with a lot of people on many levels. And it's the guru story. Well, there's two stories, okay? Uh, but the first one is the guru. There's a young man who went to see this conference and there was a guru there that was talking and showing his cars, his house, his money, the success he's had and everything that he's been through and all that he's done. And here he is super successful and everything. He had nothing to sell. He was just showing, you know, where he's been to where he's at. Cool. Mm -hmm. And the young man was so impressed. He went up to him after the talk and he said, you know, I want you to mentor me. I want you to coach me. And the guru said, sorry, I don't do that kind of stuff. I don't coach. I don't mentor. I don't do that. The, the, the young man said, no, I want you. I want only you. I'm willing to pay whatever it takes. I'm willing to do it. And, the, and then and the guru said, sorry, I just don't do this kind of stuff. I don't take anybody under my wing. And the young man persisted, persisted. And finally, the guru was really kind of fed up with him. And he said, you know what? You want me to mentor you? Okay, meet me on the beach tomorrow morning, 5.30 a.m. <laughs> the young man shows up, suit, tie, shoes, socks, looking sharp. And the guru is in his t-shirt, flip-flops, you know, shorts. And he tells the young man to take off his shoes and socks and tie and walk with him. So now they're walking towards the water. And now they're getting in the water. And they're walking in and the water comes to their knees and now it's coming to their uh, thighs and then it's coming to their waist and now it's coming to their chest and now it's coming to their neck. And the, and the, the guru takes the young man's head and shoves it under the water and keeps it there. Like for a while mm -hmm. and now the young man is fighting fighting to get out so and now the young man is fighting fighting and then finally the guru lets his head out and the young man gasps for air and he finally takes some air and the guru looks at him very nonchalantly and says so when you were under there what were you thinking about were you thinking about my house and my cars and my money and everything all the success i've had were you thinking about your problems were you thinking about where you're at where, what were you thinking about exactly and the young man says what are you crazy i was thinking to breathe i was fighting for air that's really what i was thinking about so the guru said and that's right because in order to be successful you gotta want it like you want yes. air you gotta want it. So your why needs to be that big. You gotta want it like you want air, like you wanna breathe. Because if you're not, you're not gonna fight for it. He was fighting for air. You gotta fight for it. 
What is your why? What are you fighting for? What are you willing to die for? How's that? You want to be dramatic? What are you willing to die for? And that is really what has led this world and people who are successful to where they are. And, and times we sit back, Raleigh, and we admire, you know, the, the nice homes, the nice cars and all the, but we have no clue how much they had to put in to acquire all those things. It reminds me of a quote. You probably have heard this quote before. It says, every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up. It knows that it must outrun that gazelle. Otherwise, it's going to starve to death. Exactly. Every morning in Africa, the that gazelle. gazelle wakes up and he knows that he must outrun that lion. Otherwise, it's going to be eaten for dinner. And it says, wherever you are, when the sun comes up, you must be running. And that's your why. And, and you show about this one. And it's so powerful because we, exactly. we have the ideas, you know, we want this. But I don't think we want it so badly enough like you described it with this person with the, with the water situation. And not only that, it's like, you know, we're sitting back and, and looking at all this beauty, but the maintenance of this big house costs money too. The upkeep mm. to own the house is nothing. Anybody can own a house. Once you buy the house, once I bought my house in Florida, let me tell you, that mortgage payment comes way too fast. Mm. You know, the monthly payments come way too fast. Yeah. The then you have to upkeep of the yeah. pool guy taxes, and the lawn yeah. guy and the taxes and the upkeep. Everything is, it's something that you constantly need to, to keep up with. So the work is never really done. Not because you have, it means that you can sit back and relax. You know, you keep working because you want the good things, but you keep working harder because you want to keep them. And so, you know, my father always said, you know, I'm not afraid of the big stuff, spending money on big stuff. He's afraid of spending money on the small stuff because they add up real quick, yeah. you know? It's like people who spend money on the things that they don't need. You know, Fred, one day I lost everything. I had lost everything in 2011, everything. Wow. People in my office stole everything out of my bank accounts in the office, everything was gone in one, split of a second, I was completely out of everything. And it made me a minimalist. And from that day, that mo one moment, and you talk about pivotal moments in your life, but because of my strength, my relationships and, and my knowledge, I was able to really get right back, you know, because I've lost things before, but Hey, you know what? You have ups and downs in life, but my hard work ethics, my wanting, my, my why, as you call it, mm. is stronger than all that happens to you. You know, 10% is what happens to you. 90% is what you react mm -hmm, to it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what's cool about that is that not only was I able to turn things around, but I learned something from it. I had what is called financial intelligence masterclass. Mm. You know what I mean? In a faster way, I had to learn. So I became a minimalist, number one. Number two is that I learned to say no to myself sometimes. Mm. So now when I buy things and I have the ability to buy whatever I want, whenever I want, mm. I do ask myself the same question still today. Do I want it or do I need it? Mm. If I need it, then I need to buy it. But if I want it, then it can wait. Yeah. The discipline, right? It's a discipline that we all need to use when we want something bigger, right? If somebody wants a house, they need to save money instead of spending it on little things that they might not need, that they might throw away, that they might sell at a garage sale one day, that they use only once a month instead of every day. There is necessities and there is just things. And all plays think. into the power of why, right? We've got a question. It does. Right? It all, does. Yeah. Exactly. It all plays into that power of why. How badly do you want success? What are you investing in? Yeah. Are you investing in yourself or are you investing in people's, other people's success? And, and, and even in case early, going back to what happened, you, you could have stopped right where you are. You could have allowed yeah. injustices and all of those things to stop you, but you wanted it so bad enough. But in spite of the pain, in spite of all that you went through, 
you fought that fight. You didn't, you did, and you had every reason, right? To, to, to yep. criticize, to blame God, to blame nature, to blame yes. life, to blame yes. the, the, all those who did all those bad things about. And, and early, there are a lot of people who find themselves in this situation, right? And yep. I, as we, as we wrap this up here in the next seven yes. minutes or so, I want to be respectful. I know, we're time, having way too much fun, I know. Yeah, I, I am too. We could go, we could talk about this for, this is, this is my passion, by the way. But, I know, I can but, see But there are, a lot of, there are a lot of folks who are stuck. I mean, yeah. in, in the very real sense of the word, right? Whether it's uh, stuck in the past, it's stuck because of some mistakes they did or stuck because someone did something uh, and they can't seem to get past that. Or if someone listening to this podcast or watching us as we discuss, what would you say to that person right now? Someone needs help. Like Fred, I, I can't, I can't, Orly, I hear what you're saying, but it's, it's not fair. Uh, you have no idea what I went through. Yes. And because of that, the living in that, in that vortex, right? Well, I think that the first step is to admit. The first step is to admit that you are stuck. Hmm. The second one is to ask for help, to let go of the ego, to be vulnerable. Hmm. The third step is to forgive yourself. Hmm. Forgive those that have hurt you. Forgive them for they did not know. Forgive them for they are not for they had whatever they were going through. Forgive them for they just are whoever they are. And they're just, if you know what, forgive them for their ignorant. But you become the intelligent one. You admit to yourself that right now, wherever you are and whatever you're going through, that today is going to be the last day that you're going to feel that way. And that tomorrow you're going to ask for help from whomever, whatever, your preacher, your, your, your teacher, your friend, whoever you are, you have a trusted someone, someone somewhere cares about you enough that they can lead you out of that. And the third thing you're going to do is forgive yourself too. Mm. forgive yourself for you just led yourself up to this point in this, in this manner. And now you're just going to forgive yourself because you are no, you know better now. And now that you know better, you can do something better with yourself. Give yourself that permission to choose life and to choose it on your own terms. Aurelie, I feel like you're, you're reading my notes here, but one of the last things that I wanted to ask you uh, to talk about is forgiveness. And you, you, you went right in. I'm looking at it right now. That's why I can't even <laughs> stay still in my seat. But you talk about forgiveness. I interviewed a lady yesterday, uh, Laura Farnholt, whose husband died in 2009 um, out of heart attack. She was uh, at work. Her husband was, no, she was actually hanging out and her husband called her saying, you know, she, she, he was going through, he wasn't breathing well. And so she drove home and then she watched her husband have, suffer a heart attack and die right before her eyes. And I asked her this question. I said, Laura, if you were to live, turn back the hands of time, uh, what would you do differently? And she talked about anger and she said, do not let the sun go down on your anger because you just never know what's going to happen to that next person. And you talk about forgiveness, Laura, I know that there are a lot of people, family members, relationships have been destroyed because we hold that, you know, hatred, anger about them. Forgiveness is such a tough thing. There was a research that was done. And as we bring this to a close here, uh, Mayo Clinic research, and there are a group of people who went to see the doctors and they were trying to find what ailment were plaguing them. They run a series of tests, nothing. And so the doctors decided to send them home and, and told them, look, go, if you have anyone in your life that you need to forgive, go forgive them and then come back. And then they went and then a month later they came back and then all those ailments that they were suffering completely disappeared. The power of forgiveness. And I know you touched on that, but I want to end on that note because to think about what even what's going on right now. There's so much anger, there's so much hatred, relationships, communities all, are all being destroyed because of this anger. Why is it important for us to forgive? Because to err is human, mm. to forgive divine. Yes. And I know that we've heard this before. And unfortunately, if people just uh, realize that we are all human and I'm not saying that there is no racism and there is no this and that out there I am not saying that it doesn't exist I'm Jewish we live through that kind of stuff of you know anti-semitism and all this stuff and yes it does exist but I believe that it's really existing in fanatics people it doesn't exist in the real people the people that love each other and want to be with each other and and everybody loves each other equally 
We've, we are in 2020. Mm. It is sad to see this happening, but it starts with every single person. It's, you know, if I do my part and love on everybody, that's all I can do. If we are just smart enough to say no more, we can do it ourselves. We can love on each other. We can manage ourselves. But the problem is that we are listening to so many different opinions and we're listening to so much, you know, it's up here. It's not down here, you know, and in our hearts, we just want peace. We just want to live and we just want to be, you know, treated with respect. Everybody. I don't think anybody should be disrespected. Every single human being was put on this planet to be happy, to be abundant, to be respected, to have an equal right to education, mm -hmm. to healthcare, to all of that. But we have to learn how to forgive ourselves too. Because if we fed into that politics stuff, then we need to forgive ourselves for feeding into it. If we, instead of you know, spreading the bad news, let's spread the good news. You know, uh, I, I believe that forgiveness is the top of mind, not the, and also being grateful, just being grateful for where we are, what we have, you know, whatever you have, it could be something simple. You still breathe freely. Guess what? That's something to be grateful for. We take a lot of things for granted. Yeah, sure gratitude is huge. Sure I make is. all my clients start with gratitude. I do my gratitude list every morning, a hundred things I'm grateful for every day. Wow. That's, That's what awful. you need to do. Yeah. That's it's in my book. Holly, thank you so much. This is these are no, thank pure, you. pure nuggets. I love the passion. I sense it. And, and thank you for giving your life to the world. And I say this, um, I mean it. You're, you're such a blessing to humanity. You're, you're a blessing to your clients. You're a blessing thank to our you. audience tonight on Time with Fred. And, and I want to say thank you for coming and sharing your experiences and, and the values. And I, I trust that whoever's listening and, and watching this, you, you're really getting something out of it. Orly's uh, uh, website uh, is going to be at the bottom of the screen. If you have, please, need any help, coaching, she's a be reach out. I'm sure should be. I'm sure there are some things that should, should one or two I'm things everywhere. I should teach you. But Orly, uh, thank you again for coming thank on time you. with Fred. It's been it's been such a great pleasure. Thank you for having me, Fred. I appreciate you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely.